preparing for eternity. In part one today, I want to talk to you about be productive. Be productive is part one. So let me first give the foundation. Before we get into the subtitle today, I want to give you the foundation of this entire series, Preparing for Eternity. Okay, everybody in this room, we make decisions daily based on the hope that we're going to live until we're 85 or 90 years old. I mean, subconsciously we do this. We base our finances, the way we choose to spend money, we we spend money the way we do because we think we're going to be here tomorrow, and we think we're going to be here the next day, and we think we're going to be 85, 90 years old till, till, till we die. The way we treat people, the level to which we forgive, the level to which we believe the best, the level to which we hear somebody's heart is all based on the fact that we think we're going to live a long time here on earth, 85, 90 years old. I mean, if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, I'm sure you'd forgive people a lot quicker and you'd do a lot of different things. The level to which we praise and worship God is based on the hope we're going to live till we're 90. The way we work. Because you think that if I work at this level of integrity, then maybe I'll get to this level by next year and one day I can be able to retire and it's all based because we think we're going to be here till we're 90. Now, I have good news for most of you in here. Now, for some of you, this might be bad news, but for most of you, this is good news. I promise you, with everything inside of me, no matter what you do, no matter what you believe, no matter how you act or what you say, you in this room are going to live way past 90 years old. Every one of you. In fact, you're all going to live for all of eternity. Now, the reason that could be bad news for some of you is because it could be that you live in hell for all of eternity, which I hope not. I hope most of you are all going to live in heaven for all of eternity. But we base our decisions of life thinking we're going to live till we're 90. We're going to live way past 90. And the decisions that we make during this time affects how we live for all of eternity. See, we're basing decisions now because we think we're going to live to 80 or 90 years old. But in actuality, the decisions we make now are really going to determine um, what our life is like for all of eternity, for infinite amount of years. That's why it's so important how we treat people, how we spend money, how faithfully we serve, how we get our families in church. Because this life we're in right now is just a dress rehearsal for the next life. So you thought that you were going to live till you're you know, 80 and you're going to retire and you're going to move in this house and, and you're, you're spending money based on that, you're, you're, having, you're making choices based on that, you're treating people based on that, when actually all those things that you're doing, yes, it's going to determine some things here on earth, but in, in more than that, it's going to determine how you live for all these years that are coming after, for millennia after millennia after millennia. Now let me show you two quick scriptures. 2 Peter 3.11, you should serve and honor God by the way you live, looking for the day when God judges everyone. Let me ask you this. Is God going to judge you one day, yes or no? Is God going to judge everybody in Europe, Asia, and Africa, yes or no? Is he going to judge tall people and short people, yes or no? Rich people, poor people, smart people, dumb people, Myrtle Beach High School graduates, Soxty graduates, is he going to judge everybody? Everybody's going to get judged, right? Nice people, Mark. Everybody's going to get judged, okay? Everyone. But there's two different judgments, okay? There's the judgment of faith and judgment of works. And we're going to get into that. Let me show you one scripture. 1 Peter 1.17, he judges all people. Everybody say all. According to each man's work. Everybody say work. So you must honor God while you live on earth. Okay, there's two judgments, okay? The first judgment is the minute you die. I mean, the millisecond that you die, you immediately go through the judgment of faith. That determines where you spend all of eternity, heaven or hell, immediately. 
That is based on the fact if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. Not if you believe in Jesus. The demons believe in Jesus and they tremble at his name, the Bible says. So believing in Jesus is not how you're going to spend eternity with him. It's a relationship. You can know your wife or you can be married to your wife. Okay, Knowing Jesus is one thing, but when you are married and you have a relationship with him, that's the, so that's the judgment of faith. That determines heaven or hell. The second judgment is the judgment of works. And this is what we're talking about today. This is what this series is based on. The judgment of works. This is your behavior. This is how you're going to spend all of eternity. Relationship with Jesus or not is where you're spending eternity, but then how you lived on earth is going to determine how you spend all of eternity. So I want to give you an analogy that's going to help you with this. Okay, here's the analogy. If I told you today that the next 24 hours of your life here was going to determine the next 50 years of your life, what would you do differently? In other words, if I said, um, the way you live the next day, the way you spend money, the way you treat people, the level to which you praise and worship God, how excellent your service is in your local church, are you pursuing the passions God's put in your heart? Are you developing the talents that he's given you for building his kingdom? The way you live for the next 24 hours is going to determine how much money God puts in your bank account for the next 50 years, the house that you live in for the next 50 years, your means of transportation for the next 50 years, the people you are allowed to hang out with and the places that God's going to let you go are all based on how you spend the next 24 hours of your life. What would you do differently? It says in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up riches for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy. Instead, store up treasures for yourself in heaven. I'm in the process of writing a book on heaven that will be done by Christmas time to be distributed. So I know a lot about heaven, and this scripture is telling us, and there's a lot more, that there's, gonna, there's bank accounts in heaven. There's heavenly bank accounts, and you're going to need money, finances, and things like that in heaven. And the way we store up treasures in heaven... It's by the way we live and how we spend money and how we act and how we build God's kingdom while we're here on earth. It says don't store up riches for yourself where moth and rust destroy. In other words, don't do things based on the fact that you think you're going to live till you're 85 or 90. You might live till you're 20. You might live till you're 90. You might live till you're 100. But you're going to live way past that. And so how we act today is going to determine how, many, um, how much what our bank account in heaven is going to look like. Now, let me give you a better analogy. I said 24 hours to 50 years, right? That's not biblical at all. The reason that's not biblical is because by doing the math equation of 24 hours into 50 years, you would be able to come up with a finite number. Yes or no? Yes or no? Finite number? Yes. You can come up with a finite number if I say the next one day determines the next 50 years. If you created a math equation, actually, if you all turn this way, if you created a math equation, you would come up with a finite number. So let me up it. If I told you that you were going to live until you're 100 years old, and the way you spend the next day determines the next 100 years, well, even then you have a finite number. Okay, how about this? What if you were going to live till you're a thousand years old? If I could guarantee everyone in this room would live till they're a thousand, then after that, you're up and done. Nothing else left. You're done with life. That's it. You go back to, there's no, nothing, you're, you're finished. Okay, a thousand years. And I said, the next day of your life is going to determine what the next thousand years of your life is going to be like. Well, even then you have a finite number. So biblically, not even those equations are close to the math equation of whether you live till you're 20 on earth, till you're 80 on earth, or till you're 120 on earth, and you put that into a math equation with infinity, well, that would be an infinite number. So do you see that the equation of one day versus a thousand years still isn't even close to how you spend the life you have on earth compared to what it's going to be like for you for all of eternity? The question is, are you storing up things where moth and rust destroy, or are you storing up treasures in heaven? Even your motives matter. 
I mean, the stuff we did for Trisha yesterday for, for a widow, the Bible says that true religion is take care of orphans and widows. Man, every guy that came out yesterday, we put money in our heavenly bank account. See, a lot of times, all the decisions we're making are based on this life. We only see the now. This is what we want. This is what we're going to prepare for. When all this life is, is preparation for all of eternity. Jesus was talking about heaven in, in Luke 19, and there's two scriptures I'm going to read to you. And he said, the kingdom of God is like this. In other words, heaven is like this. Well done, my excellent servant. Because you've been faithful with a very little thing, I'm going to make you governor over ten cities. If you study heaven, there's going to be different planets, solar systems, galaxies, things. And we call it work on earth, or we call it being a leader in church. God calls it serving. So the level to which you get to serve for all of eternity. Everybody say all of eternity. Some of y'all might end up being a janitor for all of eternity. Nothing wrong with that, but how much more would you like to be governor over 10 cities? And it's based on the level of excellence and faithfulness with what God's called you to do right now. See, some of y'all are thinking, well, Billy Graham, he's going to be governor over 10 cities, and, and, and Mother Teresa, she'll be over these three planets here. And that. No, no, no. It's not based on what the world says you produced. It's based on are you doing the thing that God has called you to do. For some of y'all, your destiny involves raising a child that has mental illness. And are you being excellent and faithful with that thing that God's called you to do? For some of y'all, it's dealing with, with, with loved ones that have passed away before you, and you're trying to help people that are going through that, and their grieving process. Are you being faithful and excellent with that? For some of y'all, it's cleaning the church, or singing in the choir, or teaching the kids, and no one thanks you. We don't give you a trophy. We don't put your name up here, and there's not lights on you, but are you being faithful and excellent with the little thing, it says, the little thing. See, a lot of us want to grow and get to the big thing, but we can't even be faithful with the little thing yet. I think my microphone's a hair too loud because I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying getting loud today. This is a lot better sermon than y'all are letting me know it is, okay? I'm just telling you. What is God calling you to do? What is your divine destiny? See, you think that your life, you can turn me up a little more than this now. There's a happy medium there. Your life, your life is not work, sleep, eat, and do it over again and just come to church and sit there. In fact, every New Testament um, book in the Bible says to be a member, that every Christian should be a member, uses the word member of a local church. That's part of your destiny. If you're married, part of your destiny is doing the best you can to affirm your spouse and have a healthy marriage. If you have children before they're 18 years old, your goal is to raise those children in the things of God. This is definitely part of your destiny. Some of y'all are wasting time on things that moth and rust are going to destroy one day, and God's saying, I gave you that time to prepare for all of eternity. So whether it's Billy Graham or whether you're, you're take, your job is to just pray, pray three children into the kingdom of God, whatever your, your, your mission, your divine destiny is, if you're not faithful and excellent with that, you won't have the service that you want to have for all, forever. I can't say all of eternity enough, forever. I mean, it's not like one day for the next hundred years. It's this life for all of infinity time. Um, I, I, I heard that Satan himself called a worldwide convention of all his demons and minions and principalities of darkness, and he, he had the convention here in Myrtle Beach, the convention center. Beforehand, they all went to 501 Walmart, and then they went to the boulevard, and some of them hung out at Crocodile Rocks. And so then afterwards, when the convention started, they went to the Myrtle Beach Convention Center, and Satan gathered them all together. And in Satan's opening speech, he said, listen, demons, we can't stop the Christians from going to church. We can't even stop them from doing good deeds. But what we can do is we can keep them so occupied and busy with the non-essentials of life that they miss out on the purpose that they are on earth for. 
So all the demons started shouting, how can we do this, mighty Lord Satan? He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tempt them to spend, 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 and then have to borrow, 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 and tell them they, the only way they can be happy is to be able to afford the nicer things on earth, the things that moth and rust destroy. Nothing wrong with nicer things, but if that's what you're spending all of your life on, you're wasting it. Then he told his demons, um, we're going to talk all the husbands and even the wives into working six to seven days a week so they can afford these extravagant lifestyles for their children, make sure their kids always go to the most expensive college, have the latest iPhone, but will prevent them from spending quality time with their family. And then he said, we're going to make sure that everybody has some kind of a device that keeps them from associating with other Christians and always focused on Facebook, Twitter, text, emails, Instagram. And we're going to flood their emails with junk mail and forwards and things that say, if you love Jesus, you'll read this whole thing and forward it to somebody else. And we'll trick them into staying up all hours of the night to where they miss out on sleep and they don't have the energy they need the next day to do the thing that God's called them to do. Then he said, we're going to do this. Finally... We're going to crowd their lives with so many good causes that they forget what it's even like to do the main thing that God called them to do. Man, the demons shouted and roared. They were so excited to get to their assignments, causing Christians all over the world to forget that this life is simply preparation for all of eternity in the next life. Ephesians 5.15 says, Live purposefully and accurately as wise people, making the most of the time and of every opportunity. Um, I was thinking about this scripture because it says we should make most of the time every opportunity. And I realized the enemy wants us so overcommitted, always focused on all these outside things. We think we're doing good stuff, but really we're just wasting time because there's something specific that God's called us to do. And so I was thinking about this and I realized that every one of us in this room, we all have the exact same amount of time each day. Assuming that you're going to live through this day, every one of us in this room have 24 hours today to spend. We all have the same amount of time. It's almost like we all have the same amount of money, you might say, to spend over the next 24 hours. Same amount of time, same amount. Of, same amount. Okay, you can look at it any way you want to. Money, time, whatever. We have the same amount. So you can never tell somebody, I don't have time to practice that song for church. I don't have time to develop a, a teaching for the kids there. I don't have time to go help a widow. I don't have time to attend Bible study. I don't have time to get my kids in church. Man, I work. we all have the same amount of time. What we really should say is to be honest and say, I don't want to do that. Or it's not part of my divine calling, or it's not on my top priority list. Those are honest statements. But when we say I don't have enough time to do something, we know God, that's the way we all have 24 hours in a day. And so what I did was I developed a math equation to help you guys out so you could see what your life is like if you live to be 85 years old on earth. So if everyone in this room lives to be 85 years old on earth, and you're probably going to want to take notes on this, 85 years old, let's see if I can do this correctly. I definitely should have planned this. Okay, so 85-year-old life. 85 years old, there's 25 balls here, and this represents 85 years. If you live to be 85 years old on earth, here's what your life is going to look like. 12 balls, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 years, 12 balls, 39 years of your life equals sleep and work. So just sleeping and just working is 39 years of your life. That's 181 days this year. So for 181 days, you are going to simply sleep, and you are going to simply work. Okay, so the next one, four balls, driving, eating, 
going to the bathroom. For some of y'all, it might be more, but we're just going to start with, okay, so going to the bathroom. And, and there was one more, driving, eating, and going to the bathroom, and cleaning. That didn't make it up there, and cleaning. That equals 14 years of your life. 14 years, cleaning, bathroom, eating, and driving. That's 57 days this year. Okay, 57 days this year. Internet, Facebook, and television, and that's if you watch Game of Thrones, that is five, that's 18 years of your life, or 72 days this year. Okay, ready? On the phone, opening up junk mail, looking for misplaced objects, waiting in line, and complaining is 10 years of your life. Now, don't put it up there yet. I want to say it before they even see it. Which means you have one golf ball, whatever this is, to spend time with God, to go to church, to spend time with your family, to exercise and be healthy, to develop your talents, and to pursue the passions that God Almighty has put inside of your heart to pursue on this earth. One ball. One. That's four years. That's 13 days this year that you have for this. Now my question is, are you living purposefully and accurately as wise people? Making the most of every time and opportunity like the Bible says. Okay, Genesis 1.28. The very first words that God ever spoke to man were not obey me. It was not love me. It was not be good. The first two words God ever spoke to mankind was this, be fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. There's a big difference in being fruitful and being busy. We have to constantly evaluate our time. How am I spending time? Is it being productive? Is fruit being produced in my life? Something that once produced fruit in your life years ago may not be producing fruit right now. Are you being fruitful or are you just busy? Who are you spending time with? Where are you spending your time? Then we have to be bold enough and we have to be willing to prune back the areas that aren't producing fruit. Prune back the relationships that are no longer producing fruit. Prune back the sports team. Prune back the television series. Prune back whatever it is that you know is now not producing fruit in your life and spend that time on things that aren't going to cause rust and moth in the room, but things that are going to last forever. It says in Hebrews 12, 1, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and run with determination the race that lies before us. Let me show you why this is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, okay? Here's why this is important. This isn't just God talking. This isn't just God and Jesus talking. If you study this passage, like I said, I'm writing a book on heaven. This is everybody in heaven talking. The first part of the scripture talks about the great cloud of witnesses, and it comes right after Hebrews 11, which is the heroes of faith. This is everybody in heaven, your loved ones that you hope are in heaven. Moses, Elijah, Esther, Job, all of them in heaven. They're all God, Jesus. Every one of them are shouting this down. They're saying, stop wasting time. They're saying the house that we live in right now forever was based on things we did on earth where you're at right now. They're saying the amount of money we have in our heavenly account forever was based on what you're doing with your life right now. They're saying the level to which we get to serve forever, I mean forever, was based on where you're at right now. So they're saying this, get rid of everything anything that's getting in the way. Get rid of it. The relationship, the team, the TV show, whatever it is that's wasting your time. 
and run your race. If there's anything that any of your loved ones in heaven are shouting, it's this scripture right here. The Bible says how they can see. We, we learned that in heaven they can see earth. We, they can see earth. Let me give you an analogy that you're not going to like at all, okay? Don't hate me. Okay, the Bible says you got to love me, okay? I don't want you going to hell. Here we go. If I told you, and you can use this analogy any way you want to. I'm going to use it in a funny way, okay? If I told you that if you gave up the next football game, and if you were willing to give up that football game and instead spend time with God or doing something for somebody else or something that has to do with your divine destiny, and in lieu of that, God would allow you to have 50-yard line tickets to every single football game for the rest of your years on earth, would you give up that one football game? Okay, that's all y'all immediately say yes to who don't watch football. But anyway, okay. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Would you give up that nice pocketbook? Okay, I'm just going to, here we go. Okay, so, so, okay, so now football, it, listen, the Bible talks about how we should rest and enjoy our life. So there are things that are part of our destiny that, that I'm, I'm just making a joke here, but I'm just saying. Knowing that they can see earth from heaven, wouldn't it be interesting if you gave up every football game and pursued things that had to do with your destiny. And then when you get to heaven, God said, listen, I'm going to let you watch past, present, and future games right now, 50-yard line, anytime you want to. What if that was your reward for giving up something on earth that was, that was, that was, that was getting in the way? And I'm not saying football, I'm just being funny. You use whatever it is in your life that you know. Now, let me just show you something. Do you know if some of y'all would get off of Facebook? And if some of y'all would stop complaining so much? And every time you complain and said, praise God, find something to be thankful for. If some of y'all gave up some of the TV, you know, something that might have relaxed you at one time, now you leave everybody for that show. I mean, you'll get, you'll, 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 you know, slap your own mom just to be able to watch that TV show. If you'll get, and maybe you stop with all the, maybe you cut back on, on, on Twitter or emails or something. You, you, just put, you know, I could give you back 20 years of your life. Just like that. 20 years of your life. That one day, I promise you, you're going to wish you had back. When you get to your last week of living and you know you're about to die, if that's, the, if that's the, something that will happen to you, you're going to wish you had gotten rid of this and call this person stop spending wasting time with that person that's never going to grow and you give them all your money and all your time and your energy and they never want to change. You could have spent that same money, time, and energy on 10 other people who wanted to grow. You're going to wish you had that time back. That person that you know doesn't like you and you're always looking to see what they're doing and what's going on in their life and if they're talking about you, you wish you had that time back. Being part of a local body church, finding the areas God's called you to serve, and these are things that will cause a fire to stir up inside of you. You'll see yourself grow, and you'll automatically start pruning off things you know you shouldn't have in your life. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems good at the time, but later on, it'll pay off. Afterwards, it gives back peaceable fruit. Here's what the scripture says. Immature people only see the now. Mature people always know that the future is coming. Two more points. I'm, we're going to continue with our service. There are seasons with God. You need to write this down. It's very important. There's seasons with God. Something that once produced fruit, something that was once very important, something that once was part of your destiny, that season's been cut off. 1 Kings 17, 3, the Lord told Elijah, leave Gilead, go to the Cherith Brook, east of Jordan, it's there I've commanded some ravens to bring you food. I want to look at the scripture, okay? Here's what God was saying, Elijah, I love you, I got a plan for you, but I need you to prune off Gilead. But God, I love serving in Gilead. This is where I have family and friends. Prune it off. I want you to get rid of it. And I want you to go to the Cherith Brook. Okay, God. 
I'm going to go down by the brook. Now, there was a famine in the land, so there, everybody's dying of starvation, no rain. And God, because he was in the right place at the right time where God called him to go, even if it wasn't comfortable at first, ravens brought him food for three years. Everybody say ravens. It's important that we see ravens. It wasn't a dove. It wasn't some peaceful lamb. It was ravens, a foul bird, an unclean bird that represented an enemy. Here's what God wanted to show Elijah. For three years, I had an enemy bring you food. And here's what's interesting. Verse 7, now after some time, the brook dried up. The Lord said, now I want you to leave the Cherith brook and go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Whoa, 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 Zarephath, that's where Elijah's enemy was at. He's been trying to run from that person for years. And God said, I want you to go to the very city where you have an enemy, somebody that doesn't like you, and I'm going to prove to you, even if you, if you just go to where I'm telling you to go, whether it's on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, if, if some of y'all despise your job, but you're not reaching out to try to find a new one. You're not filling out applications. You're not growing in skills. You just complain about it. God said, cut off where you're at, go to this other place, and I'm going to provide for you. And Elijah had this realization, wow, if God calls ravens to bring me food, even if he sends me around somebody that doesn't like me, God will provide for me. And that's exactly what Elijah did. He was willing to cut off. Now, what if Elijah had been undisciplined? I'm going to watch whatever I want to watch, spend my time however I want to spend my time, go wherever I want to go, hang out with whoever I want to hang out with. God could have said, okay, what if, what if Elijah said, God, I like it by the Cherith Brook. I've been here for years. I'm comfy and cozy here. God would say, I love you, Elijah. You can stay by the brook. No big deal at all. But your provision's going to be over here. You can stay there as long as you want to, buddy, but you're not going to have the provision from me. Some of y'all, your provision is just feet away from you. Your provision is just a phone call away. Your provision is just simply pruning off something, and all the provision you could want is there for your marriage, for your family, for your children, and you refuse to take that step of faith and prune it off. Last point, and I'm done. Don't get activity mixed up with productivity. Just because we're away from home, just because we're busy doing things, doesn't mean we are being productive. Um, I'll close with this story. I read about this scientist that did an experiment with these caterpillars called the processionary caterpillar. A processionary caterpillar gets its name because they're known for blindly following one another. They just see the tail end of the other caterpillar and they simply follow it. They're processionary caterpillars. So this scientist got 12 of them and he put them in a big circle like this, one following the other. It was hilarious. And he sat back and he watched in utter amazement as these processionary caterpillars just started following the one that was in front of it in a circle. They didn't even know they were going in a circle. They just went round and round and round and round. He sat there and watched for 12 solid hours till he fell asleep. Woke up the next day, he timed it for 48 hours. These caterpillars were just going in circles, just going in circles. He knew they had to be hungry, so he got their favorite food, which was pine needles. He got their provision, and he crumpled it up, and he put it right in the center of the circle. He thought, for sure, as soon as it was there, they'll break out of formation. They'll start going to that food, that provision. Nope. They just kept going around and around in circles for seven days until every one of them died from starvation and exhaustion. Yet all the provision they needed was right there. They got activity mixed up with productivity. I wonder how many believers today are just going around in circles, mindlessly just following some I don't know, teaching some friend something they've done for 20 years and they just can't stop doing it. 
And God's saying, all the provision you need, you've got to break out of that formation and find the thing that I'm calling you to do in life. Last point, we have to spend our most valuable commodity, which is time, on our most valuable eternity, which is forever. 